Before we start our episode, we want to welcome Middle Sister Wines as our happy hour sponsor. Did you know that birth order is commonly believed to have a profound and lasting effect on psychological development? And that the middle sister has a greater chance of having a wine named just for her? Well, welcome to the world of middle sister. Sassy wines for middle sisters and everybody who loves them, which includes the three tomatoes. We've been fans for years of their delicious whites like Drama Queen Pinot Grigio, but we confess we're slightly partial to Rebel Red and her sassy remarks like, If anyone tells you they don't like red wine, stop talking to them. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. They're more than just a wine. They're a family of sisters you're going to love. Learn more at MiddleSisterWines.com. And now we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, wonderful listeners. This is Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of The Three Tomatoes. And I am the host of this week's Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. So cheers and thanks for tuning in. My guest today is the extraordinarily brilliant Diane Flynn. And she is one of the co-founders and the CEO of Reboot Excel, which is a Silicon Valley-based company that assists women who are interested in resuming careers after a little bit or a lot of time out of the workforce and many more things. And we will get into all of the things that Reboot It does and actually find out how Diane got started with this. So welcome, Diane. Thank you, Kim. Delighted to be here. I am so happy that you have agreed to be on our podcast because I think, first of all, what you do is remarkable in helping women because go back into the workforce. And I guess, and also I think your background is really interesting. So before we, we, um, Oh, I'm just going to brag for you. She did go to Stanford, people, yes, uh, with a degree in economics and Harvard Business School. So, you know, we're not talking to a slouch here. So um, it's a little intimidating sometimes talking to you, Diane, because you uh, have done so much and accomplished so much. Well, not you should not be. <laughs> well, thank you. But uh, let's talk about wh- what you did briefly before you took time off to raise your kids. What was your career path? when you decided to, you know, take a break? Sure. So before business school, I worked for two years at the Boston Consulting Group out of Chicago. And then when I finished business school, I decided to go work in educational software, which is what I had done my thesis on, and uh, spent 10 years, as it turns out, at Electronic Arts. Um, They were going to Uh, launched their educational software division when I joined, and then they decided not to for about four years. So I spent four years uh, working with John Madden football and Tiger Woods and, and, uh, or PGA Tour and some other uh, sports products. But then I did get to eventually help start a division that was focused on educational software. And I did that uh, for about a decade. And then I had two toddlers at home. I had a traveling husband. I was traveling all the time, and I had the um, privilege of taking a brief pause. So I decided to do that, and I did not realize at that time that my brief pause would turn (laughs) into almost two decades and a third child. (laughs) So you just never, never say never. Right. But I'm I'm sure that you were um, quite an avid volunteer at the time, too. I like to say that I never paused 
working, I just paused my paycheck because yeah. I think most uh, women do end up spending many volunteer off, uh, hours at school. And um, in my case, it was school and my child, my third child had a uh, medical issue and that led to my involvement at Stanford Children's Hospital. And I spent about 16 years um, starting with the Family Advisory Council and then serving on committees. And, and actually, as it relates to what we're talking about today, I think that uh, strategic volunteering, which I don't know if I would have called it strategic at the time, but I certainly volunteered in areas that I thought um, best used my skill set and my passions, uh, really helped me when I did decide to resume my career. Well, I can understand that. I love the way you say that, strategic volunteering, because that's how so many women seem to find what their interest is after perhaps they have uh, stopped working and returned to work. I think that's, you know, very valid. So you decided, so then one day, a magic genie appeared in the form of your husband, right? <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us what happened to for to make that transition from non-paying, very strategic volunteering to uh, getting you back into the workforce. What, how did that? So happen? I will, I will, talk about that, but let me describe one thing that happened in between that was, I think, pivotal, is about five years ago, a little over five years ago now, I had breast cancer, oh. and I was still paused, and I had uh, about a month to uh, lay on the couch and contemplate life, <laughs> yeah. and I had, at that time, two daughters in college, uh, a son who was almost to high school. And I really, I think with all that time uh, on the couch, I had a lot of reflection time. And I was starting to get a little antsy about what is next for me. And I have a uh, wonderful um, now deceased father who started a charter school at the age of 85. <gasps> he chaired his final meeting the week he died at age 87. Um, he was a, you know, just a, a force of nature in the state of Minnesota, always doing things uh, throughout his entire life. And so, you know, at the time, five years ago, I was 50, 51. And I thought, wow, if, if statistics hold, I might have 40 years to be doing something meaningful outside the home. And so I think it was that uh, time and self-reflection, which was really important to having an open mind when my husband approached me with an opportunity, which was to come in and help with a turnaround, a tech turnaround here in uh, Silicon Valley. And it, because I had been thinking about this quite a bit, I decided to say yes. And, you know, it was a little intimidating. I mm -hmm. Uh, I like to say I, I traded in 16 years of Lululemons to to put on my work attire. And that first day I go into work and I'm working with colleagues who are my daughter's ages uh, who are dressed in Lululemons. <laughs> so it was um, it was quite sobering to return uh, and, you know, find myself facing technologies like Slack and uh, shared calendars and all kinds of things that I, I really was not that familiar with. Um, but on the other hand, it was incredibly energizing. And when I first said yes, uh, I said, you know, I'll do this 25 hours a week. Um, and after about a month, uh, we found a, a CEO and, and he said, you know, it'd 
be great if you were all in. And I said, well, I'm kind of all in anyway, so I may as well just commit because, you know, I, I had this notion that having more flexibility and you know, keeping a lot of my volunteer life going was uh, was really important. But I also uh, realized that it, like being back at work full time was was incredibly fun. So that was the genesis for ultimately um, approaching our CEO and saying, you know, I, I had shared my story with a lot of women in our community and said, I'm hey, back to work after 16 years at home. And, and I just couldn't believe how many women responded by saying, wow, I would love to do what you just did. But Kim, what I kept hearing over and over was three things. I don't feel current with today's technology. I don't feel connected with a professional network and I have no confidence. And it all kind of killed me because during my volunteer days, I was president of our parent association at school and I worked with about 70 um, individuals, primarily women, some dads. I would have hired almost any of them they, for their competency, their attitudes, their work ethic, their grit, their resourcefulness, their maturity, their wisdom, you <laughs> name it. And yeah. I thought, I thought, like, why can't these people find paid work in today's workplace? And here we are at full employment and they cannot get back in. So that was what I uh, was, was contemplating as I went back to work was how do we get more people like me back in the workplace? And um, that was the genesis of uh, Reboot Excel. Reboot. Well, and and I think that's really interesting. What you were saying is why can't I? And and to me, it comes down to those things that you mentioned, lack of confidence being a really big one. Oh, I'm too old. I don't know anything about how to work with computers or the latest and greatest. And, And I can see as a woman myself who has dabbled in many different, you know, solopreneur kind of, um, activities as well, how daunting that can be. So your company came at the exact right time, I think, for uh, what's going on in the world today, too. And and it's it. I know that it takes that many of our listeners, we are over a certain age, and that we sometimes feel not as valued. And I understand that's probably what you sensed as well with Uh, what you do. So you started Reboot, was this four years ago? Five. Five years ago. Okay. So you started it. And why don't you talk a little bit about what Reboot actually offers today for women? And I, I do, this is like a total plug. It is fabulous. I've been to a couple of the different programs that you offer. I taught one. (laughs) And that was really and fun you were too. fabulous. <laughs> yes, An improv on, class. Exactly. On improv and how important that is in in daily life as well. But yeah, tell us a little bit about the the offerings that you have and maybe some of the success stories, some of the companies that uh where you've placed people perhaps. Sure. Okay. And, and and first a shout out to four women who helped me get this program off the ground who uh, have to, you know just terrific uh, uh, team members and and really have made it fun for me. But we started uh, by just creating a program. We had an unused training room in uh, the the company I worked at. And I approached our CEO and said, can we run a little program for women returning? He said, yes. And so it started as an eight-week program once a week to, we called it our Reboot Accelerator, to accelerate your career, uh, your reentry. 
And we had um, 50, sometimes 80 women in our classes. And then we started getting calls saying, can, you know, do you have a, a program I can fly out for? So we said, well, let's do a one-week immersion program. And anyway, this just kept um, building. And then we got uh, the lucky break when the Today Show called. And, and once we had some uh, press on the Today Show and, and some other national press, we ended up saying, this is, this is important work and there was nothing like it here in Silicon Valley. Um, so we spun out and, and I'm doing this full time. So that was uh, how we got started. What we do now is we have a number of ways to help women. We have a free 23-module online program that we call Reboot Kickstart. You can go on our website, which is rebootaccel.com, and download it. And it takes you from you know discernment, what do you want to do next? We have a personal inventory that we uh, encourage women to fill out around what fills your tank, what drains you, what are your values that you consider non-negotiable, uh, what upskilling do you need, et cetera, um, all the way through developing your LinkedIn profile, your resume, conducting your job search, developing your 30-second elevator pitch, and landing the job. So that is free, and we love to make that available to anybody anywhere um, in the world. Second, we have in-person workshops here in Silicon Valley. So if you happen to be local, we have those every two weeks, and there's a whole variety of topics. As you mentioned, you taught a great one on improv <laughs> and how it, uh, how it can help you, uh, you know, I think with a growth mindset and with uh, opening up possibility. We always encourage women who are going back to work uh, that if you have the ability to think more expansively about what you might do, be sure to take the time to do that because it's really easy for women to, and men, um, but to slip back into what they used to do. And what I have found is that oftentimes that is not what really, as uh, I guess Marie Kondo would say, sparks joy. Yeah, no, I, I get that completely. It's so easy. Many times I've thought, oh, I'll just go back to doing that. And then I realized, no, that's what you did for a million years. It's time to move forward. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, I finished my coaching, uh, my partner, Patty White, and I both went through a year of, of coaching training because we realized so much of we, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is coach women. And uh, I was coaching a woman a few weeks ago and, and I said, well, you know, what, what do you want to do? And she said, well, I, you know, I could go back into tech. And I looked at her, I said, oh my gosh, you cannot go back into tech. You just have the most dejected <laughs> look about you. Let's spend the next hour brainstorming what would you know, really get you excited to get up every day because, um, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to, to create some, you know, new, new possibilities and, and not everyone does, I totally appreciate that. I also work with people who are going through divorce, people who are recently widowed. Um, they just need, you know, a job and they need pay and they need benefits and they need structured hours and they need to be home to pick up kids. But that is part of the value set that we go through is what are the values that are most critical right now and then let's help map out uh, a job that meets those values and I think the important thing to recognize is those values change you know my values today yeah. are much different than five years ago when I was sitting on the couch right. and in about a week when my son graduates from high school oh. um, I will be an empty nester and my values will change again so you know I think it's an exercise that is 
uh, worthy of doing on a regular basis. And uh, it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You sort of really um, sailed right over that cancer thing, you know, and and I think that's kind of a big deal. A lot of women, a lot of women have been through that. You know, many that I've interviewed, as a matter of fact, have been through that. And that is very often such a pivotal turning point, a health issue, a divorce, a loss of someone, that it's interesting how the universe works to shake us up as we reevaluate. And I love that what Reboot is doing is you can help people reevaluate without a tragedy or without, you know, just without, with a different mindset. Someone might just, and I, I think that's what I want people to know is that you don't have to go through something in order to shake up your life in order to say, hey, I want to do something new. And what you're offering at Reboot is the opportunity for people to explore what they want to do and, and what your coaching provides as well. And and it's I think it's business coaching, but it's more than business. It's life coaching from what I understand. So It, it is definitely life coaching. And I just, uh, I just gave a talk and uh, I identified five things that hold women back and um, happy to share those if you think. Yes, let's be. do. Let's hear those I'll five share. things that are holding us all back. <laughs> and then I have three things you can do about it too. Okay, good. But, like, uh, all the tips we can get, please. Yeah, because uh, I love I love helping um, people figure this out. So the things that, that I have seen consistently, one is lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk a lot in our classes about the uh, imposter syndrome and that women often don't apply for things because they think they're not qualified, whereas men might have 60% of what's required and think they're perfectly suitable for the job. <laughs> I'm not I'm not here so to nail bash, but it is something that women tend to struggle with. And so confidence is one thing we work on. Uh, a second is a fear of failure. And so we teach, you've probably been to our growth mindset session where we talk about Carol Dweck's uh, body of work. She's a Stanford professor who's done a, a, has a great book on the growth mindset, but it's all about reframing failure. And if you view it as an opportunity to learn or grow or perhaps pick a new path, then you really haven't failed. So that would be the second thing. Uh, the third one is feeling stuck and uh, that's where we work a lot around this odyssey planning that is in the book by, uh, David Evans and Bill Burnett called design your life. Oh yeah. And give yeah. a little shout out to that because I think it's a great, uh, a great process. And, and this is what we do a lot of one-on-one coaching and we have, uh, retreats that we use this process as well, but it's really around opening up three different possibilities. You know, one kind of a, a easy, safe thing you could do in the next month, the second being a career you could pursue if that first one went away or didn't exist, and the third being in your wildest dreams, what would be fun to get up and do every day? So we take people through that process um, when when they feel stuck. Uh, the fourth that I see all the time is perfectionism, <laughs> and it's interesting because Patty and I presented this growth mindset at one of our uh, HBS female or women's alumni events. And, and we hand out this sheet of uh, 25 ways to a, develop a growth mindset. And one woman came up after practically in tears, a highly accomplished woman. And she said, I can't even do number one, which is embrace imperfection. <sighs> and she said, I've always been a perfectionist. And it's, uh, it's really hard. 
you know, for me to take risks, it's hard for me to fail. If something doesn't come easy, I don't want to, you know, keep doing it. And so, so we work with a lot of women around this. They feel kind of hindered by this need for perfectionism. And then the, the last thing that I see, the fifth one is inertia. <laughs> and I, I think that's why people hire coaches and why we encourage people to find an accountability partner because people have bold ideas, but sometimes their inertia is greater and they just cannot get off the couch and cannot take that first step. So a lot of our, uh, the work we do with women is around developing an action plan, having an accountability partner and uh, just getting out there and, and grabbing someone for coffee or shadowing somebody for a day and, uh, you know, trying some new things. So anyway, those are the five common patterns I see that hold women back. I can relate to all of those. I, that pesky perfectionism, I seem to have gotten rid of a little bit as I've gotten mm -hmm. older, but I can see that also that's what makes successful women successful a lot of times, um, you know, they or so they have been taught or so they think. Probably. I think that there is an upside and a downside to perfectionism. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the team I worked with, I don't know if I'd call them perfectionists, but I knew every time we held an event or did something, it was going to be done near perfectly. You know, yeah. they, they really were responsible and didn't let anything slip. And that is a great thing. Uh, I think the downside, and I'm not talking about my team per se, but just in no. general, is that... Uh, it can hold you back from taking risks. Right. It can hold you back from innovating and it can hold you back from uh, getting more done. Uh, I think it can lead to analysis paralysis if it's really, you yeah. know, we're, we're big fans of uh, just trying things and mm -hmm. yeah, we fail, we fail. And then we learn from it and we either uh, adapt or <laughs> don't do that anymore. But, um, you know, we always have uh, surveys after every class we teach and, and we read every single one and we figure out what we do well and what we could do better. Um, if you're a perfectionist, it's, I think it's, it's a much harder way to go through life. And one thing I learned from improv, I think you had us do it too, is the failure bow. Yeah. And this idea that failure is okay. And, you know, in improv, you're not going to get out there and try things if you're always worried about failing. And I have literally taken the failure bow in the privacy of my bedroom at night. <laughs> like, okay, today I failed, but, you know, let's. Woohoo, it's okay. Let's move on. on. Let's celebrate it because yeah. I tried something new and uh, let's move on. And it's, it's, I think it's a really healthy way to live. And I, I find it's easier to live that way as I age. <laughs> right. Because I think I just don't take everything as seriously as I did when I was younger. Well, I think that does come with age as well, unless it's so ingrained that people just can't get rid of it. You know, I, I wish I could remember the name of this woman who wrote a book who I heard speak. And she said, because she's a motivational speaker, and she said, that if you don't act on an idea that you had within the first five seconds, you're never going to act on it, whether it's sending an email or writing a note to yourself to remind yourself to do something. And it's so true. We have all these great ideas. And because of all those reasons you just listed, we don't do them. And, and I love that coaching and programs such as yours can really help us move out of that stuckness and into um, a belief in ourselves. I think that's really important for women to believe in themselves and, you know, grab that confidence. 
But I think it's one of the huge values of our classes. And that's why I love our in-person workshops, because most women lack confidence when they're sitting at home feeling like they're all alone. Yeah. And then they get in a room and you've been in these rooms with these women and they look around and they say, oh my gosh, not only am I not alone, but we generally will feature panels of women who have successfully rebooted their careers. And they are so inspirational because they see that these are women just like them who sometimes have taken 10 or 20 years off to raise families or to deal with elderly parents or health issues, whatever it is. And they have gotten back in the game. And so uh, we always survey their confidence level when they come into our courses and then when they when they finish. And we marvel at how quickly you can increase a woman's confidence just by you know, some of the things we teach, but also by being around other women who are in the same, uh, same spot. Yes. It's always great to know that you are not alone. Oh, you feel this way too. You feel less than, oh my gosh, you feel old. You know, I, do you, are there any upcoming programs you want to tell, um, our listeners about? And before I get into the ageism, cause I think that's really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. we'll end up with that, but are there any, um, programs coming up that reboot is having that you want to tell anyone about? I know they can sure. go to your website, but there might be something well, we have, we, we do a program with the Stanford Business School. Um, this is our fourth time doing it, and it's on May 31st. We're doing this one uh, a day around building your personal brand, which includes your LinkedIn profile, your resume, your 30-second pitch, uh, some tips on language. Sephora is one of our sponsors. They're going to talk about skincare and makeup and things that uh, might build confidence. Uh, so that's on the May 31st. We also just had a retreat. We're going to do another one in the fall that is a one-day retreat around this design thinking, design your life, odyssey planning, and that will be in September. So if that interests you, watch for that. And then um, we'll be teaching with Chip Conley at the Modern Elder Academy for a week in January uh, in Baja, Mexico. So we're really excited about that because that's uh, a lot of the same type of material, but but with some beach walks thrown in and some fun <laughs> dinners. And and um, I want to point out that there are scholarships available for all of these. Uh, and that is one of the tenets of both us and the Modern Elder Academy. So if, you know, if any of your listeners are interested, they should definitely check that out. Okay, good, good. That is that is nice to know because not if you're in the middle of searching for a job, you may not always have the funds to that you need to actually improve your <laughs> chances. So that's absolutely, nice absolutely. That's well, and I tell people, you know, I, I like to um, help anyone in need, and so I'll say, let, let us help you. And if if it works for you, you can uh, pay it forward or pay it back or however you want to, you know. Um, uh, give back because I do believe in the whole pay it forward um, approach to life. I think I think it's uh, uh, important for everybody to to um, you know recognize the people who have helped them along and, and turn around and do the same. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is uh, if if we can help one person, we will have you know really in, increase and improve their life. We will be better people for it. Well, and I want to just point out when we had this retreat a few weeks ago, there were 12, 13 women there and each person got up and shared their vision board of the impact they want to have. Almost every single woman not only wants to go back to work, 
but wants to improve their community. And it really struck me, whether it's through mental health or sustainability or uh, reallocation of food or addressing food deserts, you know, I think it's, it's one of the powerful reasons that I'm so excited to help women resume careers when they're ready, if they're ready, because I, I think it's more than just a paycheck. I really, I really do believe that um, so many women have visions of how they want to serve their local communities and sometimes the global, global community. And I, I think that's really important. I think that uh, from women I've spoken to that as we have gotten older, we have realized this more and more when you're not so focused on just your children. I mean, I've always volunteered in the schools as well, but when you're not just focused on that, then you tend to look at the bigger picture and, oh my gosh, what can I do? What can I do? And I, I think that's such an important, important element in working. And it's nice that that's being recognized by people everywhere. Well, and I know as we move into ageism, which you mentioned will be next, yeah. and and most of the women who I see in our programs are, for the most part, 40 and up, 40 to, you know, I, we had a woman come last Friday to one of our workshops who's 69, and she says she wants to work till she's 94, and I said, why are you going to quit at 94? <laughs> so she said she's going to change her pitch. But, oh, that's good. Uh, you know, what I see with these women at that stage in life is they often do want to have some kind of impact mm -hmm. and they're searching for meaning. And uh, that, that makes it really fun because it, you know, it isn't just a job for, for the vast majority, for some it is, of course, but uh, they, they're really looking for something more. And so, uh, you know, as, as I work with some of these older people and I've even coached a uh, uh, a man who's coming out of retirement who was a CEO and he said you know I'm, I'm trying to find something maybe I thought retirement would be great but I actually am really missing working with the team and having an impact so I think it's something that you know most of us do seek yeah making making a difference well we do need to wrap up now but um, I think it's you know the work you're doing with ageism is really important and I know that I for one sometimes feel oh I'm too old to start that I'm too old and it's it's so nice to hear you talk and hear examples of someone who's 69 who says I'm going to be working you know I'm going to do that and I, I think we all need to be reminded of that uh, in closing is there anything that you want to share with us um, maybe with our listeners about moving forward or a tidbit or well, anything I, that you think? I like to say there's three things you need to do. One is get on the couch, which is take time for self-reflection, figure out your values, figure out your skill sets, your passions. Don't just be reactive and take the first thing that comes your way. So that's get on the couch. <laughs> Number two is get off the couch, which is <laughs> Having a bias to action, doing some rapid prototyping, trying some things, seeing if you like them, you know, learning quick, failing fast, all that. And then the third is sharing the couch. And by that, I mean, have an accountability partner and pay it forward. So those are my three pieces of advice. Those are wonderful pieces of advice, Diane, for anyone of any age, but particularly tomatoes, as it were, who are looking to um, either get back in the workforce or looking for their what's next, whether it's a paying gig or not. So Diane, tell us again your website. Reboot Accel, as in accelerator, A-C-C-E-L dot com. 
Great. And I really thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of your information with our listeners. And I really encourage any of you who are in the Bay Area to try to attend um, these classes. They're so informational. It doesn't matter whether you are looking to get back into the workforce. She had a great night on wardrobing and I did a very fun evening on improv. And another friend of mine gave a workshop on writing skills. And there's just so much we can always keep improving, even if we're not looking for a job. But also your online uh, program is amazing. So anyone anywhere can do that. So Absolutely. It's and it's free. And it's free. Gotta love that. Yes. Thank you, Diane, so much. And I really appreciate it. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. And I will see you all next time.